Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. All righty. So uh, hello and welcome uh, to this week's weekly discussion uh, for the Great Lakes Tech Leaders. Uh, and yeah, we'll, where we talk about all things DevOps and tech related. So let's go ahead and get things started. Uh, we should probably kick it off with a couple introductions. Uh, I'm Jason Brown. And I've been with uh, Ripebrain Networks for about uh, eight years now. I'm a cloud solutions architect. Um, I have a, uh, a background uh, in uh, software engineering and app development. Uh, and working at a, a smaller company, um, you definitely uh, put on a lot of different hats. And so I ended up uh, dabbling in um, more of like uh, work that would normally be um, uh, like a, a cloud solutions engineer, uh, what, what somebody like that would do. Uh, and so I kind of had one foot in both wor worlds for, for quite a long time. And that naturally kind of grew into that, uh, that architect role. Um, uh, but yeah, so that's what I do. Um, and with me, I've got, uh, Phil as well. Phil, did you want to give a, a quick introduction? Sure. Hi, my name is Philip Wardinger. Um, I'm a cloud solutions engineer here with right brain networks for, uh, almost a year um, coming up here in a couple of months. My background primarily was in Linux uh, server, web hosting, and Cisco networking, um, and just constantly trying to use new technologies, seeing where the tech world's going, eventually brought me to cloud computing. Uh, and RBN's where I find myself now. I'm just looking to continue to move forward with uh, cloud tools and what's available. All right, excellent. Thank you, Phil. So the, uh, before actually getting into the topic for this week, I also wanted to mention that uh, coming up next month is DevOps Days Detroit 2022. Um, so that's going to be uh, the 26th and 20, or hold on, uh, sorry, 25th and 26th of August. So um, last Thursday and Friday in August. Um, and it's a really great event where you have a lot of people from the area, a lot of great speakers, um, that give presentations, uh, as well as just um, a lot of uh, good discussions, kind of similar to the ones that, uh, that we have every week. Um, so I definitely encourage you to, to look into it and to, to register and join up. Um, you know, it's got great presentations, great people, and, and just great discussions. So uh, it's a great time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can find out more about it, uh, devopsdays.org. Um, you can see right on the homepage, uh, Detroit's right up there. So Cool. All right. So the uh, for this week's discussion, we have uh, CDK for Infrastructure as Code. So um, I'll just start it off by talking a little bit about what the CDK is. Uh, and then uh, after giving a brief uh, summary on it, we can go into what our general impressions are. Um, so the CDK is, uh, or Cloud Development Kit, um, is a, a development framework that AWS released within the past uh, few years that um, aids in managing your infrastructure um, using several different 
uh, programming languages. Um, so if you're familiar with CloudFormation, um, this is a uh, um, like the, the next step uh, uh, for, for infrastructure as code um, and just infrastructure management in general. Uh, it's um, very similar in that you're um, utilizing programming languages to, to spin up your, uh, your resources, but unlike CloudFormation, which is just raw JSON and uh, YAML, um, you actually have access to a lot of uh, other programming languages like Python, .NET, Java, TypeScript, uh, or just JavaScript. Um, so um, once you, uh, it, it functions kind of like an SDK. So you just install the modules that you need, the packages that you need, and then you can just use the framework. Um, and in addition to that, uh, it also there's also a CLI tool that allows you to um, take your generated templates and uh, upload them to, it helps you to upload them to S3 um, and then uh, manage your deployments uh, through the CLI, uh, which is really, really nice. Um, so I think that that's pretty much like the, the top level overview. Did I, did I leave anything out, Phil, uh, in terms of like a general summary? Um, no, I'd say that covers it all. Um... I, I don't think I would add or take away from that. Cool. Alrighty. So yeah, I guess then we can just talk about like general impressions. So, um, what are your what are your thoughts, uh, Phil? Just generally on on the CDK. Do you like it? Do you not like it? I like CDK a lot. Um, primarily coming from like a Python background, it was fairly well integrated with my first use of it. Um, there's a lot of documentation out there, a lot of examples, and by having the capabilities of Python behind it as well, it gave a lot of control and customizability to it. Um, if anything, I think the one hangup I might have in that regard is just differences in documentation between V1 and V2 that aren't always obvious. Right, yes. Uh, that's a really good point in that um, just recently they had released uh, the V2 of the CDK uh, and they put V1 in maintenance, I think just within the past like month or two. Um, so, and because it's always changing, there's always, uh, uh, you gotta keep up to date with the, the documentation, um, which sometimes uh, it, it's usually pretty pretty good about being up to date, but um, yeah, there, there's can sometimes be, be some gaps, but um, yeah, I mean, general impression, my general impressions, I, I really love it. Uh, I, I mean, you're probably going to hear us gush about it for the next like, you know, <laughs> 25 minutes, but uh, it does have some, some flaws and some drawbacks too. So I'd like to cover those as well. Um, but yeah, just from my perspective, having that, that dev background, um, you can really leverage the power of object-oriented programming languages, which I really, really like. Um, and it makes things a lot more uh, simpler and less time consuming when coming up with your templates um, and usually with debugging. But uh, just as a, as a comparison, you know, at, at RBN, we used raw cloud formation for quite a long time. Um, and we developed our own uh, companion tool called Deployer, uh, which it's open source now. Uh, if anybody wanted to go to the Right Brain Network's GitHub uh, and, and uh, play around with it. If you prefer to use raw cloud formation, um, that's a, a tool that you can run 
written in Python that will sync up your templates and then uh, launch your CloudFormation stacks from those templates. Um, but uh, with CDK, it has that built in, that CLI tool. And uh, what you're writing is so much more um, brief and terse. Like, I remember we had, um, you know, using CloudFormation over the years, you'd have a, a well-architected VPC, you know, with your public and private subnets, sometimes your data subnets over spread out over multiple availability zones. And you, we, we would refine our CloudFormation templates, um, you know, a, as, uh, you know, time would go on, we'd, we'd make it um, uh, better and more modular, but, it ended up being like something like 3000 lines of JSON or YAML, which is just crazy. Uh, and a well-architected VPC by comparison with uh, the CDK, just writing it in Python, for example. I mean, it's like 20 lines long, which is, yeah, it, <laughs> it's awesome. It, it's great because CDK handles a lot of the overhead for you. Um, I don't have a lot of defined work with CloudFormation, but what little I've done, I remember having to define and write out every little aspect of it um whereas with cdk you import your module you provided a couple of the required things and then it handles everything else for you under the hood right yeah and getting off the ground is really easy too in that regard because once you have that uh cdk cli tool installed you just do cdk init app and then choose your language and it'll just uh assemble your um, your directory structure, do all the scaffolding for you, um, set up all the boilerplate. Um, so you have your main app entry point, uh, and then like a sample CloudFormation stack that's already written. Uh, and then you can just add resources to it and add more stacks to that as well. Um, just uh, to give a little bit more detail about that, um, like everything within the framework that you use, um, is considered a construct. So if you're familiar with classes and object-oriented programming, I mean, really it's just a, a specific class that you use that will define a infrastructure resource. So uh, whether it's a, uh, a task definition in ECS or um, a load balancer, uh, anything, you know, it's, that is a, a construct. Uh, and CloudFormation stacks themselves are a, um, uh, they, it's a separate class, but that's um, derived from construct. So, um, yeah, it, it's very much um, they they really leverage the the object oriented uh, nature of it, which is really nice. That's something that CloudFormation you really had a lot of trouble with. I mean, JSON and, and YAML, um, it's very declarative. So, like right from the beginning, they wanted something that you know, you would you would write your template and say this this is what I want my infrastructure to look like. This is everything in this template is, is exactly what it should be, um, and uh, I mean over time they would add things like intrinsic functions, which added a little bit more uh, something you would see uh, in, in in like a regular programming language, um, conditionals, uh, but still no for loops, right? And just having something simple like a for loop is it makes things so much easier. I mean, the, especially when you're talking about um, having some resources that would be 
applicable in one environment, but not in another environment. So like, you know, dev versus prod, right? Um, if you wanted to uh, change some of the configuration too, um, you know, based on what environment you're on, like for a dev environment, let's say if you have RDS instances, you might not want to have a whole bunch of like really beefy RDS instances with uh, that are multi-AZ because that can kind of run the bill. And that might not be applicable for something like dev, but you want to absolutely have something like that in prod, you know, that it makes it a lot easier to have those, those environment specific changes too. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. In that vein, it's nice because with CDK, um, it'll let you create instances of classes rather than just having to redefine the entire thing per environment. Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think uh, another benefit of CDK that I appreciate is while it takes away having to manage raw cloud formation, you still have the option to use it or define the cloud formation nodes. And in that same vein, when you deploy it, you get to look at directly what cloud formation it's trying to push out. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't know if we covered this, uh, I think we might've covered this a little bit in the first few minutes, but really underneath the hood, what it's doing is um, even though you're writing uh, the code in Python or .NET or what have you, um, when you uh, run the CDK synth command, it's actually compiling that down into CloudFormation templates for you. And so just like you're saying, Phil, I mean, you can actually see the templates, the resulting templates, but also, um, I mean, even through the, um, the scope and the node, the scope tree, which we might get into the, the nitty gritty of this later, but you can really see like all of the different resources that you're creating um, as they would appear uh, in CloudFormation. Um, and actually on that topic too, what's really nice is you have different levels of constructs, right? So like you have very basic constructs that are pretty much one-to-one -one with CloudFormation uh, resources. So that exact same resources with the attributes you'd see in a CloudFormation template, I mean, you can create a an L1 or level one construct. That's, it's a pretty much a one-to-one -one mapping, but you can add other uh, constructs like L2 or L3 even that are um, derived that derive from that that make it even easier. Uh, so for example, like you know it, there's a, a cloud formation or I'm sorry not a cloud formation, a CDK pattern uh, for a um, uh, load a load balanced Fargate uh, service right an, a, an application load balanced Fargate service. So if you wanted to to instantiate all of that um, in CloudFormation or even as just like L1 constructs, you need to create the uh, task definition. You'd want to create the, uh, the ECS service. You need to create the load balancer and then all the target groups and make sure that they're all hooked up together. Um, but you can actually encapsulate all of that in a single class. And then if you have multiple services that have that same pattern, you just create new instantiations of that class and it becomes uh, extremely easy to, to reuse over and over. Yeah, um, I actually have a recent example with this uh, with one of our clients. Uh, we were looking at making some hefty changes in how their applications connect to their database. And it was really nice that I was able to just create a new environment just by standing a new instance of the application. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, and all these are like really, really good things about it. Uh, but there are some drawbacks, like you mentioned before, and it's good to be aware of them just so that, you know, you don't fall into any, any uh, pitfalls. Um, there's one thing that, that we ran into, I think, really early on when we were looking at uh, standardizing on CDK um, as a company, you know, with RedBrain, we always just default to using CloudFormation if our clients didn't have any specific preferences. Um, but really when CDK came out and started maturing a little bit, we took a hard look and decided to standardize on it after getting all of the, um, after seeing all the benefits that we could reap from it. But we ran into some pitfalls. And one of those was um, getting it production ready. Uh, and the, I think the biggest one, at least for me, was um, environment specific context. So with CDK, um, for, uh, th there's something called the CDK context, which you can, um, you can edit through the, the CLI tool, or you can just open up the, the file, uh, the JSON file directly, but it basically allows you to have environment variables that you set that can sometimes be, that can sometimes change. Um, uh, but for like, for example, let's say you had a whole bunch of, of lambdas, right, that you've got set up in your, um, uh, your CDK code. And some of them, you need to have them uh, set some certain uh, environment variables for them to function properly. You can actually set these in the CDK and then the Lambda can pull these from the CDK context. Um, however, uh, if these, if the variables that you have set in the CDK context are different from environment to environment, which oftentimes they, they are, uh, it can be a little bit tricky to, to actually get that um, that handled properly. I remember there's a lot of work that we needed to do to get that um, to a point where it could handle environment specific um, uh, context as well as just environment specific stacks. Now there is an environment construct that specifies the uh, AWS region and account number. Um, but if those are the same for both your dev and staging or pre-prod and prod, then you still need additional work to, um, to make sure that you have the, the right context for the right uh, environment specific stacks. Um, and just real quick, uh, one of the things that I ended up doing to, uh, to fix that, just as like a stopgap um, without going into like the, uh, the really in-depth fixes, um, was I actually had a stack that inherited from the base stack provided by CDK, like the stack class, um, that would actually have a, a private function that based on the environment name that you give it, it'll switch uh, what context you're using. So like you have a, you can have a single CDK context.json that has a bunch of nested dictionaries, you know, like JSON, uh, objects and the key would pertain to the environment. So dev, pre-prod, prod, and then within that dictionary, you'd have, you know, a whole bunch of your other uh, environment specific stuff. Um, but yeah, at least as a stop gap, gap that worked for, for a while, but um, yeah, there are some other things we had to do, I think, to, to really make use of that. Um, 
did you have any any particular uh flaws or pitfalls that you ran into uh phil like when, when yeah i i've got a somewhat big one that i run into sometimes cdk itself is great and i love the option of all the different languages we have available to use um that said if you're not using typescript there is a specific pitfall you could run into and that's troubleshooting jsii errors um, oh that's a great point the native language of CDK is uh, TypeScript. So if you write it in anything else, it has a interpreter in the back end that effectively converts everything. And some things just don't work from one language to the other. And you just get thrown this pitfall of errors that you then just get stuck troubleshooting. Right. It's, it's not always necessarily an issue with your code. Sometimes it might just be an issue of how you implemented it. Whereas that's just not something that can be feasibly translated. Right, yeah. Um, and I think that's the reason why we ended up standardizing on TypeScript, because that is the original language it was written in. Um, and that also helps with debugging too, because it's more it's uh, uh, it's more obvious as to like it, what the problem actually is, right? It's more obvious and it removes the translation error that we would then have to work through. Right, absolutely. Um, how do you, uh, like we talked a lot about how the CDK compares with CloudFormation itself, because um, it's using CloudFormation under the hood. Um, did you have, like what, what, how would you compare it to some other uh, tools for infrastructure as code? Um, in that case, my primary experience outside of CDK would be with like uh, Terraform. Terraform, has a lot of benefits in being that it's multi-platform, whereas CDK is specifically built for AWS. Um, and Terraform tries to go about being object-oriented to a degree, but it lacks all the operator options that you would get from any other programming language. Right, yeah. Um, and that's something that I've used Terraform quite a bit as well, um, and even a little Ansible in the past, but yeah like it it's funny because with terraform it, it they tried to um provide a little bit more of those kinds of options than CloudFormation did i mean with CloudFormation, they're like no loops we're not doing loops but with terraform you do have some limited uh ability to do that you know with using count uh for your your resources that you're creating or for each now is the thing in the yeah you've got count you've got a, a basic for loop where you could run through a map You've got your if condition statements. Um, like there's a couple of options and they're better than just raw cloud formation. Um, I think one of the big hangups with Terraform though is in how it typically handles its states and deploys mm -hmm. compared to CDK. Right. Yeah, like uh, could you go a little bit more in depth into that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, CDK, when you deploy, it will create the CloudFormation template and start to obviously try to make your changes. If everything's great, it'll upload the new template and that's the end of it. If there's an issue and something were to fail, like let's say I'm trying to push a change to my ECS service and it causes a redeploy on the ECS. If that deploy were to fail, CDK would still keep the old instance up and there would be no issue. It would just basically spit back an error telling me, hey, there was a problem, but don't worry, your stuff is still running. With Terraform, they typically do a destroy, then a deploy.
but if things fail out, they don't restore either. Right, yeah, and I think that really comes down to the way that um, deployments are handled gracefully or ungracefully, like between Terraform and CloudFormation as well. Because I mean, in my experience, CloudFormation is better at things like rollbacks, which Terraform does not have any native support for. I mean, I think the big issue in that vein is that Terraform is typically all done through the API rather than some form of CloudFormation. Mm -hmm. Everything you write um, does a bunch of API calls, which is great if you want to use a service like Cloud9 to see what, not Cloud9, CloudTrail to see like what happens. But in that same vein, there's no form of state that AWS itself is aware of. So it has no idea how to revert or correct if there's an issue. Um, and then in that vein, Terraform has its own form of state. You can store it locally or you can store it in like S3 um, or other services so that multiple people working on it have access to the same state file. And if there's an issue, you sometimes have to go in and manipulate that file. Right, yeah, and that could be really dangerous. I mean, with Terraform, that's like, they strongly discourage you to, to uh, mess with the state directly because, I mean, you could really break stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately, pending how whatever you were trying to deploy failed, you don't always get a choice. Right, yeah, yeah. You get into these weird situations where, like, you've passed the point of no return and you have to like <laughs> go through and, and fix things and, and get the rest of the way there just to get the environment into a decent state to finish the deployment. Yeah, it can be really, uh, really messy. But so like, let's say going back to CDK, like uh, if you had a choice, like let's, let's say that, um, the translation part between languages isn't really an issue. Like what would be your, your choice, your uh, programming language of choice for CDK, just like as a default? My default choice would probably be Python. Um, just like how CDK takes care of a lot of overhead um, of cloud formation for you, Python will take care of a lot of overhead in terms of the programming language and everything it's doing under the hood. I like the customizability something like TypeScript gives you, such as like interfaces and stuff like that. But that's that's not always needed. Um, sometimes going the simpler, more readable route is going to be better in a collaborative effort than having to do a code crawl every time you want to add a stack, update a stack, or anything like that. Because you'd have to go through all their uh, additional implementations and definitions to get everything running as you'd want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I also would choose uh, Python as well. Just uh, I, that's the language I'm the most, uh, you know, I, I have the most comfort with now, even though, I mean, I, I dabbled in, and worked a lot in the other languages too. But that's kind of the main point I was getting across is like, it does give you that flexibility to choose what you're comfortable with and and actually like spin up resources, do infrastructure as code with, um, with the programming languages of your choice uh, within the you know, the, the scope of the, what they provide. Um, even though uh, some, some choices can lead to uh, a little bit more heartache than others, but um, <laughs> uh, like, the, I, I think, yeah, the, the safest choice is TypeScript, but um, yeah, I mean, the other ones work just as well in my experience, um, especially Python. I like that one too. Um, yep. It's easy. It's convenient, guaranteed to work across every system and it just, it moves with you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. All right. Well, we're getting close to, to time here. I just want to leave a little bit of room for some closing thoughts. I mean, what, what do you think, like overall, like thumbs up, thumbs down? How would you rank this among other, other infrastructure uh, as code tool choices? Having a predefined language that's widely known and universal, I would probably rank this near the top. Um, Terraform, I would probably throw in second, but this also just kind of ends where my experience with these types of systems come into play. Um, the, the friendliest thing I, or I think the greatest benefit I had is coming into CDK. I had all of my prior Python experience to rely on and it saved half the battle in trying to learn how to use CDK. Excellent. Jumping into Terraform, I had to learn the specific language they use. Right, yeah, which is a unique to to um, HashiCorp. Uh, right, yeah, excellent points, and I, I I agree with you there. I mean, for me too, two thumbs up. I, I wholeheartedly recommend CDK, especially with all of the support that's been thrown behind it um, from AWS. It's continuing to evolve and change and get better and better. Uh, and it just makes things so much easier. Um, so yeah, wholeheartedly recommend that. Um, definitely at the top for me. Yep. Um, that said, going forward, if anyone's going to check out CDK, start with uh, V2. V1's in maintenance. They're trying to deprecate it. They're not going to add anything new to it. D do V2, get all your options and go from there. Awesome. Excellent. Great. Okay. Well, I guess uh, with that, we can... Um pretty much bring this to a close. But uh, yeah, thanks again, uh, Phil, for, for having this discussion with me about CDK. And uh, yeah, um, thanks everybody for, for joining and listening. And yeah, we will see you next week. Sounds good. Thank you, Jason. Great. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.